everybody. Got another week on tap. We are lollygagging sports. I'm Bo Reed along with Matthew Irby and Samantha Button is back. After a week off, you know, I think Samantha, I mean, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. You know, I, I think you got a you got a bad temporary phone on purpose. You, you just won that night off. Just throwing it out there. I, I don't think you understand how much I've suffered for the past <laughs> week waiting the new iPhone to arrive, which took I don't know five years or something. I think it was more like five days. But let me tell you, like when you don't have a phone and you have to buy one of those burner phones that's made for like drug lords. Um, you feel that very acutely, like, oh my gosh, it's been horrible. Um, anyway, we're, we're back now on real technology, back to iPhone, uh, talking on some like sketchy, weird phone that I bought at Target, uh, <laughs> for by the month. Uh, <laughs> hey, it could be worse. You get paid by the hour. <clears throat> Oh, they have some where you you can buy minutes. Like, that still exists. I was like, really? Oh, that's still a thing? Like, so weird. Wow. <laughs> they still sell those. <laughs> Does it also have the roaming icon? Did you, did, you get, did you pick up on that at all? Oh, I didn't even think about that. I just kept thinking about how I felt like I was in burn notice, you know, like with the, where they buy the burner phones and they throw them away, you know, <laughs> after they use them, except it really wasn't. It didn't feel satisfying in the same way that it did, you know, watching, like, I don't know, Michael and Fiona, like, run over phones and stuff. <laughs> it's not the same, let me tell you. I'm happy to be back in the, the modern world. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So before we uh, get into um, what's, what's happened recently with March Madness, is your final four still intact? No, I, I'm, I'm in okay shape. I have three of my four still alive and both of my championship game teams are still alive. So I'm in like relatively okay shape, but you know, RIP Marquette, uh, my, my East region is dead, <laughs> but the rest are still okay. So. <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I don't know how I did this, but I also have three out of four. Um, Marquette's the only one that, that, that I had in that has, Lost. Irby, how about you? Is your Final Four still intact? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. No, Irby liked Arizona. Oh, right. He just forgot that there's Ivy League team. My my champion is still intact, but no, no, Arizona um, significantly. Yikes. Other than that, you know what's funny is, is I, and this happens to me all the time, I don't do as well. Like, I struggle day one and two. The Saturday and Sunday, I nail. Like I, my sweet sixteen is still very much intact. Aside from you, Arizona, who will never get picked again. <laughs> um, my mom got, but, got by them too. I think she had them in the championship game, actually. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, and, and and but this is the, like this is me. This is what I do. Like I had Florida Atlantic. I had them beating Purdue, but I did not see the Arizona one coming. But whatever, you know, you guys. You do you, Zona. You do you. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually had Arizona um, all the way into the Sweet 16. I think I had them losing in the Sweet 16, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Um, I, I think, Samantha, I'm looking at the bottom of that southern bracket or the southern region uh, where Creighton and Princeton are battling out for the trip to the Elite Eight. And... 
what happened here? <laughs> you, Arizona. I have Creighton. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have Creighton advancing for the next round. Yeah, I nice. obviously didn't have Princeton. I one of my kids picked Princeton for the upset in the first round, but um, actually, all three of my children's brackets are busted. So um, they, they they made some good choices. Mostly, they made bad choices. Uh, but Prince, Princeton did squeak through for that one. But I, I definitely did not have that. But I have Creighton. I have Creighton facing Alabama. Uh, in the next round. Oh, so wow, yeah. I'm okay over there. I'm okay. Actually, oh, yeah, I think I have all, except for the East, my whole Sweet 16 is intact. Alabama, Creighton, Houston, Xavier, UConn, and Gonzaga. So, um, so far, so alive. <laughs> oh, man, this, this has been crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, so Creighton would mm-hmm. probably place Alabama, but San Diego State, who I had as my 12-5 upset, is still alive, so that's that's going well for me. Uh, I, I think at this point, I, I did want to ask you guys about Michigan State. Are we at a point now where we just automatically put Michigan State in the Sweet 16 every year? Because what what Izzo was doing with that squad is insane. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like them. Um. No one did. That's why it's such yeah. a surprise. <laughs> I, yeah, they're, they're sneaky. It'll be interesting to see if they can advance further. Um. Yeah, Izzo's always one that I kind of always give him a couple wins. Um, I did think Marquette would take care of it there. That was a good so shooting team. But, yeah, this will be – they got a great matchup against the – you know, I, it's funny is we the, – the, Big 12, it was so much talk about, bam, look at these guys. They can bang with anyone. And Texas and K-State are doing that. And the other guys are, well, did what we just saw. Like it's, Big 12 has been kind of disappointing, aside from what Texas and K-State are doing. <laughs> you know, the one region that seems to be very chalky is the Midwest. That's the only one I seem to have gotten right. Because I had exactly what we have. I had Xavier in Texas and Houston against Miami. In this in the Sweet Sixteen, but the rest of this, man, like like it's just I don't even want to get started with the East. You know, <laughs> your number one loses in the first round, <laughs> and then your number two. Oh, the East was a mess. Who like, <laughs> loses quickly after? Yeah, it's just a mess. I have no one left alive at all in that region except for K State, and obviously I had them losing to Marquette in the next round. <laughs> so, like that that bracket is dead for me. I think it is for a lot of people. Actually, it's a weird one. I mean, well, and that's why to back to your Izzo point. That's why I'm one. It's like you almost see Michigan State coming out of that. Like this is this falls into Tom Izzo, the coach. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he can. He knows how to survive in this kind of chaos. And yeah. Uh, what I mean, I mean. Look at it though. Like you could take a look now. Like if you if you was to just re like reload here for the Sweet Sixteen, Michigan State has to beat K State and the winner of FAU and Tennessee to advance. Well, uh, K State while they beat Kentucky, that score really doesn't d- doesn't do that game justice. I mean, they pulled away in the last last minute or two to get that score up, so they're already not really playing their best basketball going into a Michigan State team that is playing their best basketball. FAU, Tennessee, like flip, a, flip a coin on which one of those comes out of there. So, yeah. Well, remember, Tennessee struggled with Louisiana in the first round. So, yeah, this is this is all over the map in that. All it's four teams very winnable don't deserve to come State. out, and one of the four will. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, honest question here. Samantha, we'll go to you first on this. The way Michigan State played the first two rounds, are they now the favorites 
to come out of that region? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I think they looked better than K-State. Um, K-State had a better opponent. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. Marquette put up a good fight. I just, I don't know. Whoever wins that game is definitely a favorite. I'll tell you that much. Michigan <laughs> State or K-State, it's like I, I'm not looking at either Tennessee or, or Florida Atlantic that basically just survived because, like, they had a garbage seat um, as mm. their opponent. But, yeah, it might be. I don't know. I, Michigan State, K-State, one or the other. Whoever whoever wins that game is probably going to Final Four. So, um. It's actually worth noting. There may, not, there may not be an actual favorite, especially in that region. I think I think we're just going to have to wait and see who wins. Irby, yeah. same question to you, though, Irby. Is Michigan State now the favorite out of that region the way they played? Yeah, I, I, I like I, – and I agree with the Michigan State, K-State winner, I think, comes out of that. Um, this is what's so – Fun when we set these things up and we look through how it goes, and you know, we I, I hate when I hear people going, "Well, this is the best sixteen teams." It's like, no, these are the teams that are surviving and advancing. You know, you you get a breather, and now you go into a two game stretch again. But it's not because we look at some of these teams that got eliminated, like TCU and um, Indiana, St. Mary, Duke as well. Say again. <laughs> Excuse me, Penn State. No, I'm getting there. Yes, yes, no, I'm getting there. Yes, Penn State as well. It's it's these teams that, yeah, these teams deserve to move on if they were in that side. I mean, you think about Florida Atlantic. Like, I, I don't know how many people watched that game. They went into that game like they had it. Like, they, they it, and, and that's what's so painful is that you go through the teams, Penn State, TCU, Baylor, Indiana. These teams, St. Mary's, these teams beat uh, that 16, no problem. It's just the way that the seeding works. And that's what I like this Florida Atlantic team, but I was very disappointed in what their display was against uh, FDU because they basically came down to, okay, y'all actually have to win this now because you're just, I, I, I mean, just screwing around and letting them hang in it. So, yeah, it's that's what's tough about this is you look at that bracket and you're like, my gosh, one of these four teams will be in the Final Four. Like, like fact. And then you can look up at the Midwest, Houston, Miami, Texas, Xavier, out the West as well, Connecticut, Arkansas, UCLA, Gonzaga. And six of those teams will not make it, even though any of them could easily win the East. I, I put the entire West, the entire Midwest, both of those teams, all eight of those teams would win the East. No hand, no question about it. Mm. That's why I call it March Madness. Of course, I you know what? of course I'm the one that drops True. that I'm the one that drops that cliche first uh, on the show this time around. Of course, I always am because I love March Madness. It's fun, and this is why this is insane. What we've seen in the first in the first couple, I can't wait for the Sweet Sixteen. At this point, like it started off with a bang and it just kept on going. So, uh, before we get into our NL West preview, Samantha, is there anything with the Sweet 16 that you're looking forward to? Is there a particular matchup that you're looking at more than any of the others? Hmm, let's see. Um, I don't know. Gonzaga-UCLA is kind of intriguing to me. Uh-huh. Um, and so is Xavier-Texas. Um, those are, I think, probably two of the better ones that are remaining. Uh, the rest of these, I think, are realistically probably a little more lopsided. Although, you know, Arkansas might give UConn a hard time, which I hope they don't because I have UConn in my final four, but it's an interesting matchup. So there's, I, I like that there's a good cross-section of like 
not just ones and not just Cinderella's, but these sort of two, three, four, five seeds who've just played really solid basketball up to this point and who are going to come head to head soon. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Irby, how about you? Yeah, I love that UCLA Gonzaga as well. I was looking forward to that one when they set this. Um, in the K State yeah. Michigan State that we talked about, um, I'm also hoping that Cinderella is going to stay up a little bit longer. And uh, Princeton Creighton, don't sleep on that. Like the way Princeton plays, absolutely, this this could be fun uh, against Creighton. I, I, I Creighton should win that, but I mean, Arizona should have beat Princeton. But the, the the last one of of all these. Houston, Miami, mm-hmm. if both of those teams are on, both of them can shoot lights out. And this could be a run to 90, both teams in the 90s. Like, like the, the game has that type of potential. And I'm kind of hoping for that, that we just get one of those, like an old-school heavyweight boxing match where there's no defense, it's just slugfest. And both teams are just draining, 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 draining. So optimistic about that because both of them can run the score up crazy and and both can also get colder than the Arctic. So. <laughs> that one's one I'm really looking forward to. Watch us get the opposite. You know, <laughs> they combine for 90. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that I've thrown it out there, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, I'm definitely looking at that, at that Houston uh, Miami one uh, as well. Um, also a little intrigued by San Diego State and Alabama just because I didn't expect San Diego State to be there. So anytime there's a team there that I'm like, okay, you're, you're not getting there, then they do. I kind of want to see what they have left. You know, like, like, like how long are we going to go on this San Diego State Cinderella ride? I, th- I think it ends in the Sweet 16, but you never know. <laughs> no, but that's a great point, though, because it's, it's the opposite of what I was talking about with Florida Atlantic when they got FDU. San Diego State got a Furnham team that they should not have been playing. It should have been Virginia, just right. for one of the poorest, dumbest decisions ever in the game. And but what did San Diego State do? They came out immediately, enforced their will, played their game, and they win by well, they win by like twenty three. I think it was twenty three points. Like it was never a game, you know. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what Missouri should have done to Princeton. Didn't happen. They lose. Mm-hmm. That's what. You know, for Atlantic should have done that for you. Didn't happen. You barely advanced. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. San Diego State against Alabama. Yeah, don't sleep on the Aztecs there. <laughs> All right, Samantha, anything you want to add to that before we move into baseball? No, no, but you know what? I hope Princeton wins the whole thing just because it would be fun. <laughs> Not going to happen. But yes. Cool. I'm into it. I support that. <laughs> yeah. All right. The uh, All right, so we have our last – Divisional preview this week, guys. Uh, next week, uh, you definitely want to tune in next week. Probably why, you know, so that we, we, I post this Thursday mornings early. So as you're gearing up for opening day, you can you can take a, take a listen to our opening day extravaganza. That's going to be next week. Uh, we have just a little bit more business to do here before we have some fun next week. Let's preview that. National League West. Uh, Samantha, let's start with the Padres. Because... Of all the, the things that we talk about with the Mets and the Padres and the Padres and the Mets, it, it, was, it was actually kind of a, kind of a nice little um, difference between these two clubs this offseason because you had the Mets, who everyone thought was spending very irrationally when, in fact, they actually weren't, something we talked about when we previewed the National League East. The Padres, on the other hand, have been spending irrationally for quite some time. So... Is it finally going to pay off? That's the question I have here. 
for for the for the Padres. All this stuff that they've been that front office has been doing is it, it have they finally found the right combination of things to make a contender, or is it going to be another year like last year where they pretend for half the season and then fall off a cliff? Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical about this. I mean, I have mixed feelings about what they're doing because on one hand, I feel like I, I love seeing everybody spend, especially something that is mid-market like the Padres. Although I, I heard somebody say the other day that small market and mid-market is a state of mind. And I was like, that is a fantastic way of putting that. Um, so I, I would rather a team spent irrationally than that they didn't spend at all. So I'm mm-hmm. good with it in theory, but yeah, like it's the Mets caught a lot of flack for they're building a mercenary team and, and they're just indiscriminately spending it. And they actually weren't. They were actually very smart about it. They grew a lot of their core, traded for a lot of their core. Like what the Mets did was is actually fine. And you know, I won't believe it that too much. We talked about it when we did the Mets. The Padres, I mean, this looks a little bit more like we just bought everything that we could find. Does it make any sense? No, but it was expensive. So we did it. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if it works out, then that's great. And it's a great lesson that, like, hey, you know what? Like, spend some money, like, teams that are in the middle of the pack like that. Like, it, it really does help. If it doesn't work out, which, unfortunately, sorry, Padres folks, I suspect it won't. Um, <laughs> I, it's not that I think they're going to be a bad team. Of course they won't be. But I don't know that this is going to win the World Series because... It wasn't necessarily the smartest way to spend the money. Even if spending the money was a good call, I don't know that I think they were very strategic uh, in the way that they did it. And, and they've been doing it for years. And so I, I guess I'm just kind of looking at this like, well, why would this one be any different? I, I don't really trust Preller's decision making. <laughs> Nobody really does. Um. I hope not. Irby. <laughs> <laughs> Same question to you. Is this going to work out this year or more smoke and mirrors? Preller doesn't trust his own decision making. Let's just get that out there. Like he doesn't even. He makes it probably immediately. What am I doing? Should I do this? But like I see the multiple personalities coming. Um, I look. Does this work? I I don't know. I mean, look. There are much, but it's worth a shot. Like, like this is commit to the bit kind of thing. You know, I mean, we, it's made, made a great point about the Mets and the flack they get. So here they are. Um, let's, it's now, did I get there? It's not Mets anymore. They're the Padres of the East, right? It's because now we're doing Padres and now the Padres oh, yeah. of the East are the yes. Mets. Okay. That's what yeah, I thought. The, yeah. The Padres are now the biggest, the bigger offender of this okay. particular mess. So, well, of all masses actually. So yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're giving the Mets a break here. So we're good. Okay. <laughs> so, but but the thing with the Padres is, is I will give credit for the fact that we've seen teams before who begin this process of spending money but don't fully commit to it. And it's like they don't know of, okay, are we uh, building the youth? Are we spending? Let's do it at the same time, Minnesota. Um, so, I you know, we've seen teams that do that and very unsuccessfully do it, Minnesota. Um And so I give credit to San Diego that they are just getting the job, you know, sure. Commit to the bit. Where are those guys? And we're just going to overspend and run this line out here with tons of money. And we're committing to these. We don't have enough money to go get other stuff, but we're committing to this. So hey, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, you can build on. There's a plenty of confidence there because of what they did against the with 111 win Dodgers last year in the postseason. They beat them in four. 
So you know there's that that's in that clubhouse is that we need to get there, and this is a lineup. This is a rotation that, when hot, can make a run at anybody. All right. Samantha, anything you want to add there before we do over-under? No, I'm just laughing about the Minnesota thing. Like, yeah, it's like Minnesota made the toe dip into the Padres thing, and then they shifted to an entirely different strategy the next day, and then they went back, and then, yeah. It worked out as well as one would expect. Worked out as bad as well as their MRIs, right? <laughs> oh, well, someone someone wanted to spend their money on Carlos Correa. Uh, just didn't think it was going to be somebody who was going to spend all their money on Carlos Correa, but there we have it. <laughs> all right, so uh, the projections, I'm just telling you guys right now, the projections for this division are all kinds of weird, okay? Just throwing it out there. This is something we just got to work through. Uh, the Padres are projected for 91 wins. For those keeping track, that's one win more than the defending world champion, Houston Astros. So what are we thinking, Samantha? Are we taking the over or the under? This is tough without knowing what the Dodgers over-under is. Um <laughs> I feel like I need that. I, don't know. I mean, I reserve the right to come back and revise my answer once I hear the number for the Dodgers. Um, I think I'm going to go over. I think there can be two 90-win teams in this division, mm-hmm. and I, we know who both of those teams are. So um, I don't agree. I mean, if, if the implication by the Padres being first here is that they're going to win the division, I actually don't think so. Um, but I will take the over on that. I think they're good for 93. Ooh. Irby, how about you? Over under 91 wins. I, yeah, I'm over as well. This is a, you know, that, that's two up from last year. And this is a team that, you know, for all the, 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 the headaches we give them and all the fun we make of them, you know, they beat the Mets and the Dodgers in the, in the postseason last year. You couldn't handle the Phillies. And then you kept, Building, we think, from there. So I will also, um, Samantha's going to, I like how you did holding off on waiting for the Dodgers. I am also going to put the caveat on my over um, because I want to know if Mr. Uh, Tatis Jr. will be joining us this season or is he going to sit out another one? Like, like I, it really depends. Like, you planning on Fernando? Like, what are we going to do here? So I, I'll take the yes guy. If we want to make this into some kind of parlay, like, I will take the yes on does Fernando Tatis miss more time this season for, I don't know, I don't have to give a reason, but there will be one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no reason. With this guy, we've moved beyond reason. Like it's yeah. just, it's it, it really is as simple as, like, you feel like you have to sit down. It's like, so, Fernando, um, are you joining us this season, or or um, are you going to Mars, you know, for, for a while and then coming back or something? Like, I don't going to Mars. It wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, I'm no. so disappointed because I loved this guy so much when he first came up and he has just been such a disappointment in terms of his decision making, let's say. It's such a bummer. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, Rocket to Mars is really not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> All right, well, you guys both asked about the Dodgers, so let, let's dive into that because there's a lot to unpack here with this team. Uh, Samantha, let's start with the Trevor Bauer situation because it, it every, everything about that seems squirrely. Yeah. Do, do you think the Dodgers got screwed over there by that whole situation? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people got screwed over there. Um, I'm, I somebody's gonna be mad about this, but I, I'm not even sure. I think they should have waived him given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure. I think that was the appropriate decision. But you know, okay, if they felt like there was the climate was bad and they don't want a bunch of people yelling at him, okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say who got screwed more, the Dodgers or Trevor Bauer. Well, it depends on whether you think Trevor Bauer is really guilty. Mm. Um, because, you know, if you're unsure about sort of the circumstances surrounding him, then he's the guy who got screwed, right? But but if not, if, if you feel like this guy deserves to be out of baseball, then it's the Dodgers who got screwed. Um, because they didn't know who they were signing. And I know there's been a lot of retroactive, like, well, he's had incidents before, and it's like, yeah, kind of. He's had the kind of incidents that come out after the fact that would come out about a lot of people if they were ever investigated, unfortunately, as much as I hate thinking that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure this is an instance of the Dodgers not doing their homework. Um, so, you know, if, if indeed he does truly deserve to be out of baseball, then yeah, it's it's rough on the Dodgers because they still got to pay him. So, and, and I think Part of it was the not knowing, um, which and that part is kind of on them. You know, you could have made a decision and said we're we're going to move on from him right. and started sort of making some perhaps more pragmatic free agency decisions earlier on. But what they did was they dithered around and sat on it and sat on it and sat on it, which I think would have been okay if they were saying no, we're keeping him. It's like oh, okay, well as long as the arbiter finds in his favor, then we're keeping him. That would have made sense, but when the arbiter found in his favor and they didn't keep him, then we're like, well, then what were you doing? You should have been planning to move on from him all along, even if you weren't saying so publicly, why did you not take advantage of this? So I think they kind of botched their offseason a little bit. I mean, there, there's a piece of this that says they got screwed over, but because they waited on something that theoretically they didn't need to wait on because the arbiter found in his favor, then that looks a little bit like poor planning. Like you guys were sitting on it, sitting on it, afraid to make a call, don't want to get off the fence. We'll see which way the political climate is blowing on stuff like this. And like, I I mean, I get it. I get not wanting to deal with something like that. But I also think that that's not a good way to make baseball decisions. Yeah, I agree. Irby, how about you? Anything you want to add there? No. <laughs> I... D- I just have to ask, man. I know. No, I, I can't say it any better. There we go. No. <laughs> I'm just doing my job here, man. Come on. No, it's, you're, you're good. You're good. No, I know. There's, I think that you guys said it very well. There's, I would only be grasping at straws to add more. Okay. All right. Then I'll tell you what, Irby, I'll toss the other, the other stuff that we're unpacking with the Dodgers your way first then. Uh, we got to talk about the injury bug. They lose Gavin Lux in spring training. He's out for the year. Walker Buehler was already going to be out because of his elbow. So you got injuries in the rotation. Now you got a big injury in the lineup. How much is this hurting hurting them? Like, where are we with what exactly we can expect from a Dodgers team that didn't have much separation between between them and some of the other teams in this division already? Oh, yeah, this is a, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to try and do the positive here, and it's not the positive that Dodger fans want. This is the down year. Like, like mm-hmm. maybe best case scenario and everything, this is your down year. Fortunately for you guys, a down year with all the money you spent and the talent that is there, um, your down year is still going to be above 500. 
this isn't going to be, they're not going to drop off the map and win 70 games. Um, but I, I, I don't see it all coming together this season. I mean, I know um, Gonsolin also has got the sprained ankle. He's not going to be ready for the regular season. Uh-huh. Um, but, but that's, again, not a big injury, not a big issue there. I just, yeah, with, with Bueller as well and now Lux and all the Turners that left and everything, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be a magical Dodgers year. So, I, yeah, this, is, this, is, this might be the rebuild. This might be the take a step back to take two steps forward type year. You know, okay, so Samantha, let, let's say that, you know, they, they, they get off to a lackluster start. They're still in it. Typically, it seems like that. They're going to they're gonna go out. They're going to deal prospects at the deadline. They're going to reinforce. You know, that, that that's just what we we're accustomed to seeing, especially from this Dodgers team, that even when they didn't have something to, to reinforce, they still reinforced it. That's how they ended up with 12 pitchers. A couple years ago, for the for the for the for the postseason run, but you look at the at the cause. You look at these injuries, which are temporary. Bueller's going to come back. Gavin Lux is going to come back, right? Do they overreact at the deadline because they've got to keep the party going? They got to keep the train moving, or do they actually just accept from what Irby just called, which I think was perfectly stated, Irby? It is it is the down year. Maybe you just take your lumps and wait for everybody to get back and get healthy as opposed to going out and blowing up your farm system trying to fix temporary problems. Yeah, but they're not going to blow up their farm system. They have the number one farm system in baseball, and they seem to have an inexhaustible ability to replenish it. So they're also very, very good at winning trades. So, I mean, look what a mess that Mookie Betts trade looks like now. Um, Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Yes. The facilitator. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Everybody's favorite. The help us out. Be the cat. Um, oh my gosh. Um, I just, there's a succession joke in here somewhere. I'm just not quite oh, there. there is. Um, but I, yeah, look, I mean, the part of the reason why I think they will always be willing to spend and always in it is because they're, you know, these teams, like, and it's really it's the Dodgers, it's Cleveland, it's Tampa Bay. These teams that are just factories for pitching. Like, if you can provide an inexhaustible supply of starting pitching, then, and these are, by the way, you know, three of the top five farm systems in Major League Baseball, and they pretty much always are. They never really bought them out. They never clear out their farm system because they never have to because they just restock it again. So the Dodgers a little bit more willing to part with prospects than the other two are. But they're also, they have the luxury of doing that because they have the money to make up for it, which mm-hmm. the other two do not. Um, so, and, and they're also, they're very, very good at, I mean, those are three teams with, like, to me, if I were, you know, one to 27 other teams, I just would never make a trade with any of those three because they win all their trades, like, every single time, those three. You come back to them, and a couple years later, and you look and you go, well, that was a disaster for the other team. And, and no one that is more true of the Dodgers than pretty much anyone. They make very few bad decisions. Um, I think the bad decision was letting too many people walk. So Mm -hmm. Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, you know, if nothing else, why not the one-year deal with Cody Bellinger? Let Mm -hmm. him have his prove-it year with you. I mean, Trey Turner is a guy who I would never in a million years let go of, no matter who I was. If that guy's playing for me, he's a lifer. I'm never letting him go. Mm -hmm. So that's baffling to me. Justin Turner, okay, sure, fine. Um, But that, I'm not sure I loved that decision-making process because what you're going to be doing then at the deadline is basically bringing 
spending prospects to bring back guys that you could have just gotten with money mm-hmm. in the offseason. So, and I'm, I'm not entirely dying the whole like we're trying to get under the light. No, you're not. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> so, not the smartest strategy, but also one where I think, yeah, they they could deal. If they feel like it, if they think, okay, we're poised to make a run, why not deal from your farm system? It's not like you won't be able to replenish it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna try this again. Um, Irby, anything you want to add? Yes, I will add. Okay, we'll add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree about the stuff. I mean, my, my gosh, we just saw in the last, just just the last week that the Phillies got a steal in Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, talk, talk about seeing an egg on their face. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like that one is, oof, oof. That one's going to hurt a little bit there. But, um, so that's where I, 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 I'm very curious to see how this all plays out for the Dodgers because this is a team that's, like I said, it, this is the step back here. And what are you going to do? Are we going to, you know, I mean, is it going to be all of us? Because the luck that runs for them, like Miguel Vargas is suddenly going to become the rookie of the year, like the greatest second baseman out there. Like that's their luck. Is that would just suddenly, oh, okay, well, that worked out. <laughs> and suddenly they have a surplus with Gavin Lux and blah, 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 because that's what happens for these guys. But we'll see. Um, love the Kelly Bellinger because that one there is like really I, why don't you just keep Bellinger on the one-year deal? We could do that with David Peralta. Okay, yeah, this just feels a little... It's almost like it's... And we have no idea right now, and I know this isn't necessarily how baseball works, but the next couple of years really will prove, are the Dodgers now? Is ownership in a situation where you invested so much financially the last few years that now it's time to... Hey, we got to take a step back, and, and and this is a full blown like you're heading towards a rebuild, a full blown rebuild. Again, don't see it happening, but also we don't know until it starts happening. We won't know until mid next season. Of okay, wow, this is this is much worse than we thought. All right, interesting stuff there, Ruby. I don't know if they're ever going to hit that point where they do a full on rebuild. Um, but hey, if they want to do that, I'm here for it. All right. The Dodgers, Samantha, are projected for 87 wins this season. <laughs> That's funny. I'll take you over. Irby, <laughs> how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm over there as well. That's uh, a 24 win drop off. That is it's a lot. Ooh, yeah. It's. I just there's enough with the pitching rotation. I mean, we, we talked a lot about the offense there, and, and yeah, the Turners and Cody and all that stepping out, but the the pitching's still there. Like like I don't see a lot of those guys taking a step back. So, um, though I can see the the Padres winning this division, uh, yeah, I still like that over. I, I, this is still pushing that ninety wins. I agree. Uh, I, I think eighty seven is way too conservative. Uh, I'm taking the over by at least 10 games. All right. Next on the list, the San Francisco Giants, Samantha. I mean, I've got really one question about the Giants. I'm really looking forward to the answers because I'm still trying to figure out the answer myself. Uh, Do we actually know who the 2023 Giants are? Um, I mean, I, they're like a, 
I think it's a baseball team. I'm not sure. It signed a guy called Arson Judge. Um, <laughs> and also Carlos Correa for about, like, 18 hours. Um, so, weird. Not sure how that's going to work out. But, um, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, this felt like a team that doesn't know what they want. Um, like, they whiffed on to extremely high-profile signings, which, okay, I think we all knew Judge was going back to the Yankees. We all knew this, mm-hmm. right? I, I would have been shocked if it had turned out any different. The Correa thing, like, maybe you dodged a bullet there. I don't think he was worth the contracts, regardless, <laughs> that was originally on the table there, especially once you hear about medical issues. So, um, you know, no German Shepherd ankle. That's smart. Okay. But then it's like, oh, okay, now you're going to try to sell me Mitch Hanniger? Like, I mean, I... I know we talked about Mitch Hanniger in terms of, you know, Irby, you made a great point last week when we were talking about Seattle. Like, why wouldn't you resign Mitch Hanniger? So I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying, like, how did you get from, like, we are swinging for the fences with two of the most expensive free agents out there to, like, well, we got Mitch Hanniger. Like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, either they've made a very quick adaptation and said, okay, you know, recalculating route, you know, um, We'll try it again next year. I mean, certainly they will be in play for Shohei Itani. Um, I'm not as confident as Irby that they're actually going to sign him. Um, but I, I do think they'll be in the mix for that. So, okay, yeah, you know what? Like, I'd rather have Otani than Judge and Correa. Absolutely. So maybe you just, all right, like, we're switching it up. But what are you doing in the meantime? Nobody knows. I, I don't think they're going to be a particularly good team. Um, love letting Brandon Belt go. It's just... Uh, I don't know. I, I think they kind of wasted a little bit of money to save space, but I, I think this is going to be a rough year for them with a potentially nice bounce back in 2024. Irby, how about you? What do you think? Who are the 2023 Giants? <laughs> yeah, that's a. I, I, they don't know as well. Like, I, this is. Um, but, but. Hey, this is Samantha's point. Yeah, I, I've I've made that known, and I think I'm going to go like Jacksonville Jaguars all in on this. Of this, the 2023 San Francisco Giants are a team that's prepping the throne for Shohei, and that's going to pay him half a billion dollars <laughs> to be their pitcher slash DH slash whatever he wants to do slash owner, whatever he wants, he will get that. Um, and that's where get me see out on arson and German Shepherd are going to work out well for them. But this version, this season, not so great. <laughs> not, not not so great of a year. Um, I do have some confidence in what they have at the kind of the top part of the rotation and the bullpen. I mean, uh, having Taylor and Tyler Rogers, sure, that's cute and all, that's great. But they're actually good, too. I like Logan Webb. Um, so the pieces are there. They need something big. And it, they shot for the moon. They didn't get it, and they bounced back with Hanniger. And and so I don't know. This this is another one of don't be dumb, San Francisco. And maybe that's what it was. You were saying that like, is it that pivot? Maybe it was that. All right, they went for the two big ones. They didn't get it. So you take a huge step back and go, we're not spending this year. Let's continue to develop players um, like Estrada at second base and go forward next year and go get a big fish like. Mr. Otani, who also <laughs> at half a billion dollars might be a steal. You know what's funny is like like when it comes to like Otani, 
the Giants are the one team outside of, of course, my own that I would actually love to see him pitch for. Excuse me, pitch and hit for is the Giants. Call me crazy. Well, you know, I you know I hope he does the Mavs, but um, but yeah, I mean, although here this would be a masterful. Like, let's see how good they are at PR. Like, do you re-spin your failure this year into a victory by saying, like, listen, Shohei, we didn't want you to have to play with Carlos Correa, so we backed out of that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Not sure that flies for Judge, but, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, something else that doesn't fly. Um the Giants this year, Samantha, are projected for 83 wins. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the under on that. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Yeah, that's a step up. There is, this is the perfect 500 team last year. That would be a nice accomplishment again. So, yeah, i got to go under. I don't see them taking a step forward from last year's team. Okay, so let's get into the two teams that uh, are the reason why the Giants aren't going to finish lower than third. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Samantha, is this the best bad team in the league? Like they're not expected to be anywhere close to contention, but they're not, they're not the same. Just like you, you don't mention them in the same breath as say the A's. Well, before I answer your question, two notes. One, I'm not sure I think the Giants are going to finish third. In this division. (laughs) Also, some personal news, guys. It seems like the right time to share this is that we've made a decision. Um, You know, we've got a couple of dogs and a couple of kids. Um, But recently, I have made the decision to adopt a brand new bouncing baby National League backup team. And that team is the Arizona Diamondbacks. So. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh, okay. Are we are we talking like you know Irby with the Jaguars a few years ago, like that level? I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because he unadopted them. He left them on the side of the road, like Jimmy. I did. He unadopted <laughs> yeah. them. So I, mean, I don't know. Like I'm not. You know, who knows? I mean, I might leave the Diamondbacks on the side of the road. It's very possible. <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. Like it would see. I mean, maybe I'll be that testament for like. Well, you don't really love them as much if they're adopted. You know. So I don't know. Like I don't want to play into that stereotype because I don't think that's true at all. But Irby unfortunately took us down that path. He kept his no, real children I'm- and he dumped. The Jaguars. So. Nobody, nobody wants Merrill Kelly to be the next Blake Bortles. So yeah, no, no, you don't want. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I just, I'm, I'm very excited about them. I, I absolutely, I mean, they have a fantastic farm system. I think they have really, really wonderful talent coming up. It's going to be a fun team to watch. I, I love cranky Madison Bumgarner. He's a personal favorite of mine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I absolutely think they're the best bad team. Um, I, you know, I mean, I'm saying you're going to finish ahead of the Giants, but that's mostly a, a lack of faith in the Giants, not so much a, that I'm so convinced the Diamondbacks are going to be, like, crazy good. It's that I think they're going to be a lot better than anybody is anticipating. I definitely think they're the best bad team, and I think they are in a position where they can take advantage of that and perhaps finish in third. I'll, I'll wait till I see the over-unders here for this one, but I'm not convinced that they're going to finish behind the Giants, of course, as their new parent, their adoptive parent, I have to say that, right? So maybe we need to hear what you guys think about that. 
um, you know, I might be biased now. I could become unbiased <laughs> if I decide, like Irby, to abandon my child in the streets. Um, but, you know, for now, <laughs> they're mine. So <laughs> I shall love them like they're my own, sort of, as a backup team, <laughs> sort of as my own. Okay, well, Irby, what do you think of, of the Diamondbacks? Are they the best bad team? <laughs> I love how when you say, like, abandoned in the street, like, you know someone's going to listen to this at the wrong time and be like, he did what? <laughs> <laughs> well, in your defense, they didn't give you much. Did not. Yeah, I know, I know. got a dog named Jacksonville and then left it on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I abandoned Blake Bortles. They, they, somebody made millions of dollars, folks. Everyone go. Listen, yeah. who, among, who among us? Who yeah. Among us? <laughs> um, so, yes, I I don't know. I, I do like this team. Um, I, I This is moving in the right direction. This is, this is, this is going to be fun to watch with, you know, I, if you haven't been paying attention, you know, for what they've been building, and you don't know the names like Zach Galleon, Merrill Kelly, you know, shame on you. You, you. I know there's a few people like, Merrill Kelly, yeah, this isn't his rookie year. Um, Corbin Carroll, you've heard that name, pay attention. You know, they've got senior leadership and Evan Longoria on that roster there. Now, I know it's not a long-term thing, but if he get, I, you know, the, the pitching Galleon and Kelly and then uh, one of the Madison Bumgarners out there as well. I, the bullpen's got some stuff to put together, but that's okay. They're not competing for a playoff spot yet. 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 They're going to get there. Um, Christian Walker I like as well. I mean, Kettle Marte. The, the one here, if he can get the at-bats, if he can get the plate appearances, I've got Josh Rojas leading the National League in stolen bases. Love it. I love it. Hmm. Really? That's excellent. Also, by the way, do you consider Madison Bumgarner senior leadership? Uh, he's senior. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I doesn't he just seem like one of those guys who would be like, Ask something to that effect, and would be standing there and be saying, being said things like, "They don't pay me to be a role model," like while lighting a cigarette. Like that's Madison. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, my hope, my hope with Madison is that he will just every time a young man walks up and asks him a question, he says, "Go talk to Evan." I don't. I ain't got time for this. Go talk to. Go talk to Longoria. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. Uh, well, uh, Samantha, the uh, oh, the projection for your new adopted team uh, is seventy-seven wins. Me over. Have to do it. You have Give to do over. it. <laughs> Good old Madison Bumgarner. It could be Madison Bumgarner. It might be Mason Saunders. I mean, who even knows which one of them is going to show up? But it's going to get me those extra two wins and get me up to a nice little seventy-nine there. I feel it. <laughs> Herbie, how about you? Oh yeah, absolutely over. Absolutely, this is that's that's only three wins more than last season. They bring back the top four in the rotation. We talked about some of these hitters moving forward, and and a lot of people are going to get to learn who Corbin Carroll is. So yes, definitely over. <laughs> All right, I'm also going to take the over. You've convinced me. It has nothing to do with your adoption, there, Samantha. It's I've been convinced. All right. 
One more to go before we hit that time capsule. Uh, it's it's time for the Rockies. Oh, <sighs> is this the worst rotation in baseball, Samantha? <laughs> this is a perfect time for that audio clip. Um, I mean, yeah, if you combine the actual talent level available with the fact that they're pitching in Coors Field, I mean, like, I, the projective metrics on that are a nightmare. Um, so, so yes, I, I want to say yes. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's technically, if you looked at it from like a ballpark independent standpoint, the worst rotation, but it's close enough to where like, guess what? Like that only works on paper. They have to play half their games in Coors Field. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I mean, it really does look pretty bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Is is this the worst rotation in baseball in Colorado? Uh, 50-50. Of course. Yeah. I don't think this is a push situation. <laughs> I, I, in Colorado, everything's 50-50. Is, are we sure that's still Irby? Is, is that not Mr. Monfort out there saying, don't worry, we're going to finish at 500? Mm-hmm. It's a 50-50 chance he's talking. Yeah. Wow. I incredibly bad off season for owners, but yeah, that poor guy. Like, we believe we can get to five hundred and you're like, did no one tell you? That's not the goal. That's not the goal. <laughs> also, I don't think you can get to five hundred. That's the other problem. <laughs> but okay. Um they do have dinger. They have dinger. They have, dinger. they have dinger, that's right. Love dinger. Purple dinosaur with no pants. Awesome. <laughs> they got that going for them. Love you, Dinger. Hey, but you know there there is one positive. Um, big big shout out to Daniel Bard for doing his part to help us all out a couple days Good ago. Point. True, <laughs> true. Good point. Good point. Man of the people. Uh, man of the people. Daniel Bard, <laughs> hero to us all. Uh. <laughs> all right. The uh, <laughs> the Rockies, Samantha, are projected for sixty four wins. That is so high. Um, no, no. <laughs> I will take the under. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I, I do okay. think that I think they're better than the Reds. I'll put that out there. I think they're better than the Reds. That's okay. as far as I'm willing to take it. How about how about this? We leave the number the same, so it's still 64. Okay, mm-hmm. but we're going to do over under 64 as the number of pitchers used by the Rockies this year. Oh, oh, now you, yeah, you want me to take the over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very possible. Just for fun. We'll take the over. What's the, yeah, what's the parlay? Um, Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's got to be dinger related. My third one will have to be mascot driven. Um, I just, I can't with this team. I can't with this team. I can't with this owner. Just no. Like, I'll take the over on the 64 pitchers. Why not? <laughs> Irby, both questions to you. 64 wins and number of pitchers used. What's your over-under on both of those? Can I push again? <laughs> it's just... Sure. Like, no. no. Yeah, just, no. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. We, we've discussed this. You cannot push. That's for football. We're only 17 games. You are not allowed to push. On uh, and you're not allowed fine. to push. Yeah. Man. I will I will I will take the under as well. Um I there's some 
there's some heartbeat, there's some life in there in the in the hitting department. Um, although, can you imagine like six years ago, like if I'd have told you six, yeah, let's pick the five six years ago, I'd have told you Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman would be teammates. We'd all be going, whoa, what did the Cubs give up to get Blackman? But no, they're teammates in Colorado. So never saw I um, I just no no not by yeah under under. <laughs> All right, I am also taking the under. So that completes our season preview for the upcoming season. Of course, obviously, guys, that means next week is opening day. So everybody get ready. All right, let's hop into that time capsule. This is, of course, my week. Uh, And I had a little fun putting this one together, guys. I'll be perfectly honest with you because this is a great year. Like, this is a great year for pop culture. This is a great year for sports. Great year for, for movies. You know, we've been on a trend lately where the music and the movies didn't line up. I think we're going to break that streak tonight, but we'll see. We'll see how you guys do. So, in the year 1949, now I'm not off my rocker. This will make sense. Just bear with me. In the year 1949, Tommy Henrik hit a leadoff home run in the ninth inning of the World Series Game 1. Okay, it was the first walk-off home run in World Series history. It also provided the only run. It was a one to nothing win. That was 1949. So let's flash forward to the year 1988, where we had not one, but two walk-off home runs in the 1988 World Series, Kirk Gibson, the famous one being the one that comes to mind in Game 1 where he did it on one leg. Uh, I actually don't remember this, but Mark McGuire hit one as well in Game 3. I did not know that. It is the only World Series to have two walk-off home runs. Fun fact. Ooh, that's that's fun. I like that. I like that. Because mostly we talk about the ones where there was a like you walked off the entire World Series, right? With, what is it, 1960, I think? The Pirates, Bill Mazeroski? I believe um, so. Let me look. So, but yeah, no, this is interesting because I've never thought about that before. Two walk-offs. Yeah. That is super cool. Two walk-offs. That's, at least that's the Tony Larissa led Oakland Athletics too, is it not? Yeah, that was back when the rules were simple and he was younger. <laughs> yeah. Tony. That was now, yeah, we're in the like vintage, like great quote, Tony LaRusa, like when remember when he called Ruben Sierra their village idiot? That was so great. Um Ah, uh, Tony. Always a joy. Just you know, the reasoning was different back then. It made more sense then. <laughs> Love you, Tony. Well, so let, let's start with that World Series. Obviously, that is Dodgers A's, and I think we all know who won. The 1988 World Series. Uh, the, the the Mark McGuire walk-off was the only win for those Oakland Athletics who lost to the Dodgers four games. 2-1. Uh, what about the Super Bowl that year? Super Bowl 22. Um, well, I definitely know who lost that Super Bowl. Um, that would be the Denver Broncos. Yep. Because... Um, <laughs> I know what happened to my former team um, uh-huh. leading into that, um, which we're not going to talk about because you don't hate me, I hope. Um, but oh, no. I think, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did, hey, the Broncos were embarrassed. I, yeah, they were by embarrassed the, the, the Redskins, people. I believe. Yeah, right? yes. that was the Doug Williams. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 The Broncos got out to a 10 to nothing lead, uh, and 
then just gave it up in the second in the second quarter. The Redskins scored 35 unanswered points to take full control of that Super Bowl. Nothing scored in the third. The Redskins added on uh, that last touchdown in the fourth quarter to win 42 to 10. Wait, they scored 35 in the second quarter? They did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so great. Like, this is often, like, I didn't know about the Mark McGuire home run. Thank you for that. And now that it just adds, like, to give up 35 points in a quarter in a Super Bowl, <laughs> that is, like, even the Atlanta Falcons are like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, All right. How about, how about the NBA Finals? You guys want to take a run at that? Um, uh, pretty sure the Probably Lakers. the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm not. Wait, sure 88. Oh no, that oh, was the the Pistons runs. Yeah, yeah. Because this is wasn't this a good one? Wasn't this the one that it went seven, didn't it? It went like, it went seven games. Uh, it sure did. Uh, the Pistons took game one. The Lakers get, took two and three. The Pistons took four and five, and then the Lakers came back and took game six and seven. Game seven was a three point margin of victory. Lakers won 108 to 105. This is also the birth of nice. the Bad Boy Pistons, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. The Bad Boy Pistons, who we can all thank for in, for motivating Michael Jordan to hit the gym one offseason and go on one hell of a run. But that's that's a story for another time. Uh, okay, last one then before we get into uh, – it wasn't Olympic year, Irby, so we'll get to that in a second. But the 1988 Stanley Cup Finals. Samantha, I know you got this in your hip pocket. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Irby, you got any guesses here? Uh, in '88, is this is probably during the the. Is it, wait, was Gretzky traded? Uh, he was team captain for the winning team. So then it was still the Edmonton Oilers. Correct, sir. Any idea okay. Beat? He. No, no, I just. All right. I, yeah, in '88, the Edmonton Oilers swept the Boston Bruins four games to none. Yeah. All right. So as I mentioned, Irby, it was an Olympic year. Yes. Where were the two Olympics? Olympic year? This is still before. I even this know. Still before oh, the... I know where this one was. This was Seoul, right? This was Seoul, right? Summer was in Seoul. Uh huh. And the uh, the winter was in Calgary. I don't remember that part as well. I don't yeah. either. Huh. Yeah. Well, this is before. This is the last year. So, or, 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 sorry, not the last year. This is the second. 92, sorry, 92 was the last year. 88, this is about when they were making the decisions that they were going to be doing this, um, splitting it up. 92 um, still had both Summer Olympic, and then two years later, 94 was just winter. So this is the beginning of the end, but yes, that was. So that, that winter is the um, Calgary. That's the Jamaican bobsled team. Mm-hmm. And we got to learn about those guys. Um, summer, if I remember summer, is that's the, uh, so that was a big Carl Lewis year, but it was, he did not originally win the 100. That would have been the Ben Johnson, right? Uh, good. winning that. And then later being stripped. I, it wasn't much later. He had like, he tested positive almost immediately. Like he knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to get caught, <laughs> but he, but he has claimed that that was the, an act of sabotage. Which right. was they all, uh-huh. oh, okay. they, they all right. do, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, no, no one has ever taken steroids except for 
Andy Pettit, the only person who's ever admitted anything immediately. Um, no, no one's ever cheated. Ever. <laughs> so, Sabotage. So- <laughs> yeah. Some highlights from the from those summer games. I apologize. I did not know about the winter games, so I didn't actually look this up. So um, some highlights from the summer games. You mentioned, of course, uh, Ben Johnson. This was the uh, first Olympic Games where women's sailing was its own event, and it was won by Americans Allison Jolly and Lynn Jewell. Is that still an event? I don't know. I, I, yes. Is it? I'm yes. like not aware of the existence of sailing in the Olympics. No, there's there's multiple sailing events nowadays. It's like there's three different times, and it has to do with the type of boat and the type of sail, I believe. Sure thing. Okay. Uh, baseball and Taekwondo were demonstration sports. The opening ceremony featured a mass demonstration of Taekwondo with hundreds of adults and children performing moves in unison. 1988 was also the last year where the basketball team for the United States was all amateur. The dream team uh, yeah. Yeah, started, four years, yeah, right. started four years mm-hmm. later. <laughs> so, some fun stuff there. All right, uh, some more uh, highlights here from 88 before we get into the, the, mu- uh, the music and uh, the, uh, the, the movies from the year. Um, the first transatlantic fiber optic cable was laid in 1988. Had the potential to transfer, this is funny, 40,000 calls at the same time. It was 1988. <laughs> Let's cut them some slack. <laughs> <laughs> the first known computer virus started infecting computers that were connected to the internet. It was called Brain and infected those 5.2-inch 5, 5. floppy disks. You know, the, the floppy disks that weren't floppy? Yeah, it infected those. Um the United States unveiled uh, the, the first U.S. stealth bomber. Granted, it was still, you know, being put together, but it was unveiled in 1988. Uh, laser eye surgery or LASIK surgery started to become uh, a thing in America. <laughs> I know this isn't funny, but I'm gonna, it, it still makes me chuckle. The antidepressant medicine Prozac was introduced in 19. 19- 88. Uh, everyone knows uh, Prozac now. So some fun fashion. Uh, 1988 was uh, the year where we had everyone acid washing their jeans because you, you wanted the faded look. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, those are, that is one trend that I just like, if it comes back, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, heavy metal hair bands became... Uh, Started to uh, influence hairstyles. You started to get that, the huge frizzy. Oh. Now that seems late for me to me, but apparently not. 1988 was when we really started getting the big hair in the 1980s. Oh, I thought the feathered bangs started before that, but I guess it was just the perms, not the bangs, like the curtain bang or not curtain bangs. You know, the ones where half of it stuck up and half of it came down. You guys aren't going to know about this because you never did it, but you had to comb half of it up and half of it down. Um, I was not good at this. Yeah. You just spray the top up and spray the top down. That's how it works. As a seven-year-old, it didn't go great for me, but I tried. Um. (laughs) 
Well, uh, not a surprise here, uh, but but thanks to the popularity of the movie Top Gun, aviator jackets and aviator sunglasses really became a thing. Now, this was not the Top Gun year, but this is when they really started to take off in fashion. Good pun. I love it. Aviator sunglasses are timeless. <laughs> Absolutely timeless. Great look, especially on men. Oh, boy. All right. So... Uh, now that we've gone through some of that, let's have some fun. Do you guys want to do music or movies first? Uh, let's do movies in case it helps us with music. All right. Also, because I've, I've like ready, I got to think about the music, but I have some answers for movies, I think. Um, actually, no, I know a couple for a fact. I just don't know if they're in the top 10. Well, I, I can tell you that the top 10. Uh, has one beloved movie um, for for us here at Lollygagging. Um, that's in the top ten. Uh, there's really only one here that I haven't heard of. Um, number one was a Walt Disney movie. Number three was a Walt Disney movie. Although number three, I did not know was a Walt. Disney Wait, movie. let us let us guess before you start giving us hints. Okay, let us guess. Fire away. So Die Hard for sure. That's one. That's number yeah. seven. Um, big. Number four. Ooh. Um, and I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit was also 1988. Ooh. Samantha Gets the Jar of Dirt. That is- <laughs> oh, my gosh. That I was not expecting. Wow. That, I mean, Who I like that. Roger Rabbit was the Jar I didn't think anybody else liked that movie. I like it. But, all right. Good for you, Roger Rabbit. All right. <laughs> That's three. Um, okay, now I have to think. Irby, so I've got, well, I was optimistic this is top 10, but then when you got Die Hard, and it, based on both, and um, Bull Durham came out in 1988. Yeah, I don't. I bet that's not in the top 10, though. It's not in the top 10. The hint was <sighs> for Die Hard. Uh, Bull Durham. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what, um, <laughs> I've also got, maybe, I don't know if this is all, is it, but um, the Willow. The, oh the my gosh. Yeah, yeah, you're right about the year for sure. Yes. Yeah. So Bull Durham was number fifteen. Willow was number twelve. All right. Well, I'm okay. sitting in the teens again. <laughs> um, um, okay. Is this great outdoors? Um, that's not the top ten. Let me see if it's in here. Yeah, okay. it was number twenty-two. Okay, and I know Oliver and Company came out this year. Was that in the top ten? Uh, no. Um, Oliver and Company. That was number 30. Oh, right, okay. by, right behind The Land Before Time, which was 29th. Now, well, Oliver and Company and The Land cool. Before Time were, all, were both November re- releases. So. Oh, okay. 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 What about... Wait. Oh! Coming to America? Number yes, two. I was just about... There you go. Number there two. There you go. Yep. So you, you still need... Three, five, six, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Um. Hmm. Is this what comes after Top Gun? Is it cocktail? Cocktail is number nine. Is that, yes. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um. I'm gonna put my feet up. You keep going. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like I need a hint now. I don't have any. Like I've exhausted all the things that I just know were released in 1988. Um, 
Okay. Um, well, number five was a sequel to a very popular movie earlier in the decade. It does not nearly work out. Mm. Sequel. It's a sequel. I don't know. I don't know a hint that's not going to give it away. Well, what what is it? Is it a comedy? Is it a, like tell us what kind of movie? It's kind of an action comedy. Action comedy. Okay. Um, well, it's not like a Rambo. <laughs> it's not. Although Rambo three was number thirteen, and it's. It's not an Indian. Oh, I got another one of the teens. Awesome. Fantastic. I am not helping you at all, Samantha. I apologize. Bye. No, no. You know, I'm going to try and get 11 through 20. Let's see if I can keep it up. (laughs) But I feel like your answers were respectable, though. Like, they're good guesses. I can't really hold them against you because they're good guesses. If I'm playing horseshoes, I'm getting a bunch of ones right now. (laughs) I don't know how horseshoes work, so I'm just going to trust you on that. Um... (laughs) I, is is it an Indiana Jones? I don't think the timing is. No, right. it's not okay. an Indiana Jones. But you're, you're, it, you're oh, in the right um, area. You're in the right area. Been, um, Jewel of the Nile. No, Jewel on the Nile. Okay. I don't know what that, is. that was action comedy. Well, <laughs> well, like uh, yeah, Irby, you mentioned Rambo. Uh, this also involves a very large knife. Oh, Crocodile Dundee too. There you go. Oh, I've never seen that. Hey, I got one in the top ten. Oh, good job. That was number five. All right. Let's try for for number three. Uh, Number three had some well-known actors at the time that actually went on to uh, even even bigger careers. This was a Disney movie. Um, Let's see. You kind of hit it as a shock that this is a Disney movie. It is a shock. I could not believe that this was a Disney movie. Um, it does feature. So it's not animated, right? Is no. That... Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm. It's not animated. It's actually a. It is a war-related film. Oh, 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 oh. Um, Good Morning Vietnam. Number three. Yeah. Good Morning Vietnam. There you go. That's a Disney movie. Right. Wow. <laughs> I would never have got there from that. I got there from War Related and 1988 Disney. Wow, that's very interesting. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, so we got the top five down. We still need six, eight, and ten. Let's try for number ten real quick. This was a cult classic. Okay, like like our generation ate this movie up. There, there are rumblings of a potential reboot. Beetlejuice. There it is. Number ten. Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yep. Seriously, I hate that movie. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I say this is someone who loves Michael Keaton, but I do not love that movie. Big Michael fan. Not a fan of Beetlejuice. Um. All right. Uh, number six. Damn, also a Disney movie. Disney's all over the top ten, but some of these I didn't know. Um, all right, so th- this one is a comedy. It's a late November release, which is probably why it's not higher on this list. Very popular movie. Um, it had two two of the principal actors were also in very popular television series at the time. Is it? Oh, uh Twins? I don't well, no, Arnold didn't do TV shows. Uh, twins was number 16. TV shows. Are you kidding me? Another team? 
I can't, uh, I can't wait to finish it off, man. <laughs> which, yeah, which ones am I missing? Eleven through twenty now. Let me. What TV show? Wait, I don't. I don't know my '80s TV shows. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Is get... it Kirk Cameron? If it's Kirk Cameron, it's I not. Care. It's not Kirk Cameron. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll give you the two popular television series, but I think it's going to give away the movie. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, okay. This this was a this involved the actors an actor from Cheers, and an actor from Magnum PI. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, three men and a baby. Yes, number six. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> I was never going to get there from Cheers, which is weird because I have seen that and I've not seen Magnum PI. But yeah, that was the giveaway. <laughs> okay, three men and a baby, which I've also never seen, although I'm familiar with the you know. Um, okay. All right, so um, one left to go is this is number eight. I personally have not seen this film. Um, it is a romantic comedy. If you haven't seen it, there's no way we've seen it. I yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually really fair. Um, oof. Yeah, I, I don't know any hints I can give you guys. I, I think I think we just need to tell everybody what it was. Yeah, tell, tell us the actors or something. Tell us who was oh. in it. Okay. Go. All right, hang on. We <laughs> <laughs> pull up that information. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard of this film. I haven't seen this film, but I've heard of it. Oh, wow. It's a hell of a cast. Nicolas Cage, Cher, Olympi- Olympia Dukakis. Oh, Moonstruck. There it is. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've never seen that either. <laughs> oh. All right, Irby, so you're, uh, you're teens. Uh, do you want... Number 11. Am I missing? Is there any other like big one in the teens that I might be able to get? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see. Uh, number eleven was a fish called Wanda. Okay, I know that. You guess Willow and Rainbow three. Those were twelve and thirteen. Scrooged was number fourteen. Okay. Bull Durham was number fifteen. Twins sixteen. You guessed you guessed both of those. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street four was number seventeen. Mm. Never would have gotten there. Okay. <laughs> Colors was number 18. Young Guns was number 19. Biloxi Blues, number 20. Uh, we also had the first Naked Gun, uh, which was released December 2nd of that year. It was number 21. The Great Outdoors, 22. Um, I love The Great Outdoors. <laughs> it's like, so good. It's like <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, Child's Play, our, our first little glimpse of uh, a doll named oh, Chucky. Oh, no. Number Chucky. 32. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. Now this is this is one of uh, one of our holiday traditions. Uh, Ernest saves Christmas was number thirty six. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, probably the, one of the most ter- one of the most terrifying films I've ever seen. <laughs> Fatal Attraction and number thirty eight. E. Wall uh, Street. That, <laughs> why is that so low? Uh, yeah. Was that like a December release? Uh, September eighteenth. Yeah. I would have thought that would be higher. 
Wow. Is that one of those things you don't go to in the theater because you have to, you're renting it in the privacy of your own home or something? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those. I mean, the uh, 1988 was also the first time that Gordon Gecko told us that greed was good. Uh, Wall Street is number 39. Oh, Wall Street. Yeah. yeah. Um, once again, popping up on our list and probably not in a way that you would expect. Uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, number 45 on this list. Short Circuit 2 was number 48. Oh, hey, hot take. Short Circuit 2 is better than Short Circuit 1. Just putting it out there. I agree. <laughs> Good film. Short circuit too. Right. Good film. Oh wow! Okay, this is definitely because of the release date. It was released November twenty fifth. Planes, trains, and automobiles is number seventy four. I've never seen that. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So that's our movies. <clears throat> How about the music from nineteen eighty eight? Uh, okay, let's see. I have I have one no doubt, so I'll go with that one first. That's got to be Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Oh, hang on one second. I, I've lost my page. <laughs> it's on that list. It's on the list. I do know it's on the list. Okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I'm, this was not a no doubt or top ten. This was like, I know it was released this year, and it was a big hit. So, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to... The movies didn't really help us, but I'm going to guess the opening audio helped us. Maybe. Uh, Samantha, Heaven is a Place on Earth was number seven. All right. Here we go. Is there any Debbie Gibson? Debbie, that's a good question. Uh, there is, but not in the top ten. Shake, <sighs> Shake Your Love was number 22. Debbie. <laughs> not right. Sort of an higher. Um... Oh, okay. Let's see. I'm thinking George Michael. Uh huh. Faith, maybe. Faith. Ooh, the double jar of dirt goes to Samantha. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So happy. Irby was asking a question about the opening audio. Yeah, sweet sweet child of mine. Sweet sweet child of mine was number five in 1988. Yes. Finally, right. some hair metal in, in, in one of these. Okay, so to that end, do we have Def Leppard and Whitesnake here? Uh, we do, but not Ooh. in the top 10. Uh, Def Leppard with Pour Some Sugar on Me was number 19. How uh, is that mm. 19? I'm, okay. I'm right there with uh-huh. you. I'm right there with you. That's uh, weird. Whitesnake Is This Love was number 17. And Def Leppard again at number 30 with Love Bites. Jeez. Yeah, there's no, right. yeah, it's, it's actually been really frustrating for me because there's no love for the hair bands. And everyone knows how much I love the hair bands. So it's a little frustrating for me with some of some of these lists. But hey, at least yeah. I got at least I got one of the top ten this time. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Like I feel like I don't know. Like I think like maybe a third of the albums that I owned as a small child were hair bands. So it's confusing to me. But maybe it was just me and you and no one else. That could be. Could be. <laughs> oh, isn't this the, um, uh, Billy Ocean, Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. I, I know that was 1988. That was number 15. Oh, oh okay. Girl. Hey, you're in my world now. 15, back in the teens, yeah. Oh, man, we're, <laughs> are we reversing? Are we flip-flopping? 
Um, but you got a jar of dirt. You're good. <laughs> um, she's got the double jar of dirt. What about? Is there some Whitney Houston? There is some Whitney Houston. Okay. Ooh. Uh, but it's not how well I know because we already did that one. Um, I think Greatest Love of All is earlier. It's a net, it's an album after that. So, don't I want to dance with somebody? So emotional. So emotional. Oh. Number six. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so you have two, three, four. Eight, nine, and ten to go. Okay. Um, we might need some hints. Uh, there is a formal be- former Beatle on this list. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love this song so much. Uh, George Harrison, set on you. <laughs> Number three. Got my mind Five set on you by go. George Harrison. Fun fact, in case nobody else remembers this, there were two videos for this song. And I say this as somebody who spent a lot of time with a small child. If you're new here and well, everybody else already knows this, but um, taping videos off of MTV onto a VHS tape. This song <laughs> had not just one, but two of the best videos ever. Both very, very good. Oh, George. <laughs> I'm not really a big Beatles guy, but I did like that song. I really liked the videos. Okay. Uh, number four is a one-hit wonder that shows up in all kinds of memes and gifts these days. Memes and gi- oh, we should be able to get this. Okay. Um, Shows up in. It's not. A, is it a duet? No. Those ones. Uh, okay. Solo. Yeah, solo song. He's the only reason why anyone knows this artist is because of this song, and it's a very, it's a very well-known song. I didn't say popular. I said well-known. Big difference. And well, means and, yeah. Means. So it's the little singer. I legit, is it a guy? Yeah, is it it's a, a guy? It's a guy. I was legit going to make it the opening audio, but it's it's too annoying of, of, of a song. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want to, now I really want to know what it is. Um, okay, so it's in a meme. It's a guy. It's a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I feel like as soon as you... I should have I need the meme in front of me without the text on it, and I thought I could figure it out. <laughs> right. Like, okay, you know what, Smith? I, I, I can help you with this. It, okay. It was, I think it was one of the first music videos to really, really do some wonders with some CGI. Like, it had a lot of special effects in the, in the music video. CGI in the video? Okay, so everything I can think of that meets that criteria, like, I'm mostly thinking of Peter Gabriel and Sledgehammer, but that wasn't a one-hit wonder. Um, no. What, who else used um, CGI in their early videos? Um, uh, Paula Notes did. Um, take me off. Um, Duran Duran. Um, oh, obviously. It was, it was oh! Um, Oh, uh, never gonna give you up. There it is. Rick, Rick oh, Ashley. Oh yep. my god, that is a meme. Yes, yep. good job. Good job. I don't think I was yep. ever gonna get that, but you're right. That is absolutely unique. And now I can see that video in my head. Thank you for that. I know, that's gonna be my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Um, <laughs> now you see why I didn't have it as the opening audio. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it might have been funny. Then you would all suffer along with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Take you all down with me. Fun, fun fact. Um, fun fact. I only know this because um, because Carrie's really into concerts. Uh, Rick Astley is currently touring with New Kids on the Block. Good for him. Good for him. I, I mean, I don't really understand who would go to that, but, you know, I, I, I hope they do well. People that would never give up the new kids on the block. Yeah. I see the puns. Yeah. The puns just write themselves with this. Yep. Like, new kids on the block just doesn't do it for me. I uh, No. All right. All you need then is eight, nine, and ten. Okay. I'm assuming new kids on the block is not on this list. No, they're not. Um, okay, so... Wait, what are we... Ooh, eight, hold on. Or wait, did we, what was two? Did we get two? Or was oh, that you're the, right. No, we, you're, you're right. We do need two. Thank you. George Harrison oh. was number three. Okay, so we need two, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. So do we... Is this... Do we have any Gloria Stefan in here? Oh, good call. Good call. Um, uh, not in the top ten. Yeah, because that would be... Hey. I, I did on that cassette tape. Um... Oh, and what about the Bengals? Uh, the Bengals should be on this list, but they're not in the top ten. Oh, great band, by the way. Hugely underrated band. I agree. Yeah, what the, about... Um, the Bengals check in with a hazy shade of winter at 35. One of my favorite Bengals songs. What about uh, Billy Ocean? Billy Ocean? I uh, got that one. Yeah, it was number 15. <laughs> oh, shit, I got someone in the teens. <laughs> No, I got it. I said that before. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't listen. <laughs> Don't, Dang you it. Don't you dare. <laughs> Good. I didn't want anything in the teens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for falling on that sword. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that we'd done that when you did say that. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Um, I'm kind of mad there isn't any Gloria Estefan. Miami yeah. Beach. Another underrated band. Um, All right, what about Richard Marks? Richard Marks? Ooh. Richard Marks. Richard Marks. I saw that name, but he's not in the top ten. Oh, girl. No, and is, is this a... Hold on, did two. Is this a Michael Jackson year? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be like Man in the Mirror, maybe? Uh, yeah. Like... Oh, or The Way You Make Me Feel. Man in the Mirror was number 21. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> um, um, okay. Wow, okay, we might need a hint. Um, All right. So is this going to be something like off the wall, like um, like Beach Boys? There, I'll throw that out. I'm trying to remember stuff my parents maybe listen to. Not really. Um, it's actually... Not that crazy of a list, which is nice. Okay. Um, all right. So let's start with number two. Let's see if we can get number two. Uh, the artist, their name is two words, but they use four letters to do it. Right? Oh, so, in, in exact. There you go. In exact. Yeah. Um, so, need you tonight. There it is. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. In excess is need you tonight. Yep. Okay. So now we're down to eight, nine, and ten. Good. Now I can have that song in my head. Thank you. That was good. Number, let's see, number eight. If I remember correctly, this particular artist was popular with shopping mall concerts. Oh, Tiffany. There you oh, go. oh, right. <laughs> oh, Walmart. Walmart, Debbie Gibson. Yeah. 
Do you know the songs? It's let's see. Is it? It's either the remake of I Think We're Alone Now or Could Have Been. It's, it's one or the other. It's Could Have Been. Number eight. Yikes. No joke. When I, when I was a kid, I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I always confused Tiffany and Punky Brewster. I don't know why, but I did. Oh, they, well, they did. They both had red hair. <laughs> they did both have red hair. They did not really look like other than that, but they did both have red hair. <clears throat> okay. We just need number. I think they had freckles, too. We just need nine and ten. Yeah. Nine and ten. All right, give us some hints. Um, I really don't know. Like, is this is this like big names that we should know? One like, of, yeah, yeah. One, one of them is one of one of them, the number ten is a pretty big name. It's a guy, pretty big name. Um, last name kind of sounds like an instrument. If you were in an orchestra. Is it a person that was like in a band ever, or were they always a solo artist? No, just a solo artist. Just, He's English. He's oh. an English musician. English. Elton John. No. <laughs> John doesn't sound like an. <laughs> I'm stuck on that, but the instrument. Instrument. His genres really don't help either because he played blue-eyed soul, rhythm and blues, blues rock, and pop rock. So he he basically played everything, yeah. (laughs) And it's not a one-hit wonder, right? I don't believe it is, no. Okay, not a one-hit wonder, wasn't in a band before, and he's English. And his name sounds like an instrument. Instrument. His his, his last name. And, uh, by, by, <laughs> uh, loot, <laughs> drum, um, drum, uh, yeah, piano. All right. I'm going to give you the artist names. Even give me the song. Let's do that. Uh, the artist's name is Steve Winwood. Oh, wow. He was in traffic. I, I don't know. I don't know these things. Oh my gosh. Hang on, these are time capsule. Um, no, he was in traffic. Yeah, no, he was definitely in a band. Um, that I did not know. Okay, so all right, the Steve Winwood song. So Valerie, roll with it. Roll with um, it. Ah, okay. Oh. That was number ten. All right, number nine is it is from an English pop band from London. You know, formed in London in 1984. English all over the map. English pop band. Okay, so general public, fine young cannibals. Um, I'm trying to think of all of them. The the English beat. Uh, that would be the original band uh, before it split into those two. Um, newer dish. No, they're not English. Um, who am I thinking of? New New Order. Um, who else is British? Is orchestral maneuvers in the dark British? Okay, I can tell that none of these are it. No. Uh, You're doing good. <laughs> Escape Club? Um, no. Not 100% sure they were even British. Um, uh, <laughs> you want, I you want a hand? Yeah, I 
I mean, we could sit here for 20 minutes while I name every English band I've ever heard of. Uh, probably never get the right one. So, yeah, give us a hint. All right. So let's say let's say that you've got to like you got to do something that's makes you anxious, makes you makes you, you know, it's a little nervous. You have to give a speech in front of, of, of a thousand people. What's the first thing you're going to tell yourself to do? Breathe. There it is. Oh. <laughs> oh. Is this uh Wait, don't is, don't tell me lies? No. Is, breathe the, is that the band or the song? That is the band name. Oh. I'm just breathing. That's all I'm doing. I don't think I, I know. I had heard I had heard of this. Yeah. It's not no, don't tell me but, lies. That's, okay. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't think I know what this is. All right, so uh, number nine uh, is Hands to Heaven by Breathe. It is their most popular song. Uh, oh, I do know that song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that the most? No. I thought that they did Don't Tell Me Lies, didn't they? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying that they're going to debate which of these is more popular. but. <laughs> yeah, see, I but I would have said the same thing as you. I, I thought that was a more popular song, unless we have the artist wrong, or I guess... Maybe this one was more. It was it's weird, though. I mean, I do remember this getting played a lot. Now that I know what yeah. it is, it's not what yeah. I Um Okay, three. <laughs> I would never have gotten that band, by the way. Never. Like, there's well, no way. Thanks if for the I hint. If I played it on the song, I couldn't have told you who the artist was. I would never have figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> three. All right. Uh, so, some other no- notable mentions. Uh, Cheap Trick. Was that number 14 with The Flame? Oh, okay. The Escape, yeah. the escape Club at 18 with Wild Wild West. <laughs> that video was funny. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Uh, Richard Marks at 24 with Hold On to the Nights. Uh, 25, Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen. Oh, Dirty Dancing soundtrack. All yeah, right. Yep, 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 yep. You uh, know, Eric Carmen is from the same suburb as me. It's in Ohio. It's oh. in the same place. Uh, the Bengals with a hazy shade of winter at number 35. Oh, good. <laughs> Eric Carmen once again at number 38 with Make Me Lose Control. Oh, Eric, you had a really good year, didn't you, buddy? Yeah, wow. this, this was this was definitely the. the <laughs> I got to look and see where Dirty Dancing finished on the on the movie list again because at number 40 is She's Like the Wind by one Patrick Swayze. Oh, I wonder if Dirty Dancing is actually oh. 1987. I think that's what happened here. That could be. Um, good sound. It's a good soundtrack, though. Very good soundtrack. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, I Get Weak, number 57. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dirty Diana, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, number 61. Oh, that is a good song. Yes. Oh, there's Elton John, number 71 with Candle in the Wind. Hey, he made it. Wow. <laughs> Random who's the first person when you say British guy, Elton John. <laughs> I sound like such an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when It's Love by Van Halen, number 82. Yeah. I, I Hate Myself for Losing You, number 85 by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yeah. so pretty good. Ah, there we go. Poison checks in at number 98 with nothing but a good time. 98? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I, like I said, you know, it's, it's frustrating, the lack of love for their hair metals, but hey. You know, <laughs> hair metals and Miami Sound Machine were really done dirty by this billboard. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, was there no Miami Sound Machine in this top 100, or is this just an off year? Like, did they do something in 87 or 89? Oh, yeah, I was thinking maybe we're off by a year. So, oh, uh, all right, number Gloria. Yeah, number That's 13, great. anything for you, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine. Okay, so I did get a team. There we go. Cool. Yeah. The night's complete. <laughs> oh, actually, Irby, <laughs> you also have at number 42, Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Ooh, oh. the Muppets did it better. I know that the Beach Boys are in that, but still, it's better with the Muppets. <laughs> that was part of our evening holiday performance at my after-school program that year. A bunch of small children lip-syncing Kokomo. Pokemon? <laughs> it looks as bad as you think it was. <laughs> like, just picture like a bunch of like six and seven awesome. year olds being like Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama. It was bad. Um, <laughs> it was real bad. It's one, of the, it's one of those moments where you're like, you're really happy that cell phones didn't exist when we were kids. Could you imagine, like, <laughs> that video? For one thing, YouTube would be bugging me for the video, and I would be obligated to give it to you. So I'm it's very true. happy that, like, you know, even if someone had a camcorder, like, good luck finding something to play that on now. Like, <laughs> we were spared so much by the incompatibility of VHS tapes with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, 1988 was fun. That's a fun year. That is a fun year. And you're you're right. That was a like it's actually a good year for movies and music. It was. It sure it's was. <laughs> All right. That's gonna do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, don't forget to give us a like, subscribe, share us on social media, get the word out about lollygagging sports. All your friends, I'm sure, would love the time cap, so I know we do. <laughs> Until next week in our Opening day extravaganza show. Watch some on oh, the World Baseball Classics over with. Watch some basketball. Sweet 16 is going to be fun. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>